All right, so we just, we're still in the, the interlude, kind of 12, 13, and 14, maybe 15. The interlude kind of setting things up, kind of giving us the big picture vision of what's happening on the earth and in the heavens. We saw the dragon and the woman, and last week in chapter 12, we talked about the Antichrist and all the he's about and um, of course the Antichrist is empowered by the Satan himself and um, this isn't really in a chapter any place but my first discussion notes here just uh, just aims to remind us that Satan's aim throughout time has been to deceive the saints and to lead them astray And his most powerful weapon to do that is through deception. Or it is deception. And he does it by imitating what is good and right and perfect by creating substitutes that are almost sometimes good and right, but not really. There's always a twist to what he does that shows his evil workings. And so in chapter 13 tonight, what we're going to see and learn about is what a lot of scholars have called the unholy trinity. And it's, again, Satan's deception, Satan's imitation. We all know when we say the word trinity that we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, what we're going to see tonight in the unholy trinity is Satan was long wanted to take the place of God. That's what got him thrown off of the choir director's mountain in the first place. He made himself out to be God. And that's been his desire throughout all time. Well, in chapter 13, we're going to meet his personal representative here on the earth, John calls him the Antichrist in in the book of 1 John. Uh, We looked at a number of different names that this uh, person has had throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And, uh, of course, the Antichrist is Satan's um, man on the earth, just as Jesus came to the earth in the form of a man from God. And we're going to meet a second person. These are real people. Um, And it's described as a second beast in chapter 13. And later in the book of Revelation, it's also described as the false prophet. And we're going to see that this man is raised up, serves the beast and Satan, and is a spiritual leader cast into the role of the Holy Spirit. So that is what we would call the unholy trinity. Satan is God, Antichrist as Jesus, and the false prophet as the Holy Spirit. So then let's go to chapter 13. And um, we're going to, again, this is um, packed really densely. So we're going to have to kind of... Um, 
unpack it a sentence at a time almost. John says, then I stood on the sand of the sea. Uh, So he's back down on the earth, uh, looking out across the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Okay, the sea typically is represented in scripture as the Gentile nations. Uh, Not Israel, but the Gentile nations. This beast having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. And we looked at this uh, last time in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, 8, and 9, and 11, and 12. And um, heads are typically kingdoms. Uh, Horns are the rulers of kingdoms. Crowns, of course, are are implying that, again, that they are um, men who are ruling over nations. And on these heads, it says a blasphemous name. So we see that that this beast that comes um, is named by blasphemy. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard... His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of the lion. I'm going to stop right there. Again, we saw this description in Daniel. Um, And in fact, in Daniel, we learned that the leopard represented Greece. Um, Who's the leader of Greece? The guy that moves quickly, fast. (laughs) Yeah, come on, come on. Alexander. Alexander the Great. Thank you very much, Randy. Alexander the Great was the Greek ruler. And uh, the bear we saw represented the Medes and Persians. And the lion was a representative of the kingdom of Babylon. So we're seeing these same kingdoms in this beast that's coming up out of the sea. And... Um, we need to be reminded, I think, that though the Antichrist is a man, a particular man, Antichrist is also a spirit that is empowering this man. Um, and so the Antichrist spirit, John said, has been with us for a long time. But now that its spirit is empowering a specific man. And these kingdoms that we saw, the Babylon, um, Medes and Persians, and and the Greeks, are embodied in this one beast now. I think symbolizing to a certain extent that that the, the spirit of those kingdoms is all wrapped up into this one beast, those evil kingdoms. All right. The dragon gave him his power his throne and great authority. Oh. Just wanted to bring it into current times a little bit with this with the animal imagery. So, if we think of nations today, I did <laughs> found on Wikipedia that 
the lion is representing probably a dozen different nations. But if you think of a lion representing a nation, who would you think of? Anybody have a thought? It was a great kingdom not that many years ago. From your notes. Hmm. Um, <laughs> great Britain. There you go. Good, good. Well, okay. So, Great Britain is, has been represented by a lion. Nazi Germany was a panther, which is like a leopard. Um, and Russia has long been associated with the Russian bear. You'll hear that in the news even today. So, those, this, I guess the point is that those were nations. Those were, they had rulers. They had a head of state. But there was also a spirit behind them. We didn't read it in Daniel, but a lot of you probably remember the story in Daniel where um, an angel came to bring Daniel messages, message from God right from the throne room. But he says, but I had to do battle with the head of this country, head of Persia, I think it was. Uh, and I, I, it took me two, three weeks before Michael had to come and help me to do battle. So there was, there's also a spirit behind those nations. And those spirits typically are um, involved in, in activity within nation states, no matter what era and generation we are in. All right, so now we get into one of the controversies that we find here. Uh, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Okay, so two different routes that this goes. If anybody ever read the Left Behind series of books, it was a major plot point in there where they, one of the Christian uh, um, people in the book had it as a major goal to cut off the Antichrist's head or at least kill him with a sword because he said, because he thought that's what the scripture was telling him to do. Um, so that is, that is one theory about what this means. Now, I don't really like that one for a number of reasons. A, it says he, it, it, well, it says he appeared to be dead, and he really wasn't. Uh, B, um, Satan, I don't think, will ever be given the power to resurrect somebody who is actually dead. I could be wrong there, but I don't think so. Um, and the, 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 the one that kind of does it for me is, how many people do you know that have multiple heads? Because it says one of his heads was killed. That just doesn't really cut it for me. So um, the other alternative meaning for that is given for this is that those heads, as I said, represent nations and uh, nation states. And um, the theory goes like this. One of the nations will be appeared to be mortally wounded. It will be gone from the earth. And the nation state will be resurrected. 
And typically they would point to Babylon because Babylon um, is no more at this point. Babylon was in the territory of Iraq. And even though Saddam Hussein tried to build up the city of Babylon, and he spent a ton of money trying to turn it into a tourist place. Yeah, like I'm going to go to Iraq just for the fun of it. Um, well, people around the world evidently did to some extent. He was not successful in doing that anyway, by the way. But so Babylon really just kind of disappeared. You know, it was won over by the Medes and Persians and then by Greece and, and, and others along the way. And, and Babylon just kind of disappeared in history. But there has been a lot of talk. As I said, Saddam Hussein tried, tried to rebuild the city. Um, Iraq right now is undergoing, with our help, a little bit of uh, economic growth. Um, certainly, there is, Iraq is still the center of a lot of controversy in the Middle East. They have oil wealth. Iran is fighting with them for territory in the region, or they're cooperating. You can never quite tell with the Islamic religions. Um, so it could be that we will see Babylon rise up. And I, I would tend to buy into that one because we're going to see later in Revelation, uh, John talks about Babylon being destroyed again. So it's never... It's got to exist before it can be destroyed. So, so that's the theory that I tend to go with, is that this head that was appeared to be... Now, some people will say, well, how do you destroy a nation with the sword? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> You'll, we'll, we'll have to work on that one together. Um, all right, so who? that's the, the head being killed part of the story. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast, and who is able to make war with him? So from that sentence, I would take that the beast is a military commander as well as a head of a political system. Now, not going to go there yet. Okay. So, who is able to make, implying that he is out making war with a lot of people. And uh, we saw that in, in the earlier part of Revelation. Even the first trump, no, the second trumpet. We saw the rider on the black horse going out. It was given, granted to go out and make war and even to uh, make war with the saints. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. If you've ever listened to any of Adolf Hitler's speeches that he gave when he was coming to power, it's, it's fascinating to watch because he truly was a great orator. And he would speak to tens of thousands of people in this great hall. And you could see, I mean, they've, they've got film, not video, film of this era. And you could see the people 
in the audience crying in rapturous joy because this man is speaking to them. And so the power of the word, the voice, even the human voice, of course, this is the human voice with authority given by the, the, uh, the great dragon, the dragon. And um, he is able to do things much as Hitler was able to capture people just by his words. But so he speaks great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority. And I like the way that's phrased, given authority. Okay, yes, he's got authority. And it's going to last for 42 months. But who gave him the authority? Well, that authority came from God himself. So even though Satan and his beast have authority over the world, it was only as far as God allows. He still got them on a leash. I think he lets them go quite far, but he still has them on a leash. And it's only for a very specific time frame. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So he's pretty much letting her loose. It was granted to him, again, granted to him, okay? This is not his own power. It's only God allowing him to do this. To make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him, again, not of his own, but God-given. Authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, oh, except whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay, so there is still a remnant on the earth who will not worship the beast. And then we see a formulaic, kind of like what we saw in the churches. If anyone has an ear, now this is not addressed to a church, but this is addressed to anyone who has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So there will truly be great tribulation. There will be a lot of the saints killed during this time frame. So I think I said it early a few weeks ago. You know, for those who would say that I'm just going to, you know, party till the tribulation comes and then I'll give my life to God. Well, if, if you can't give your life to God in a time of peace, you're not going to give your life to God with a sword on your neck. You know, in times of being killed because of giving your life to God. Even if you could, who wants it? <laughs> yeah, why would you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, have a sword on your neck. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, let me see if I followed my notes. Pretty much. Okay, now we're going to see this other beast. We're at um, 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Two horns, 
really, and, and like a lamb, symbolically, I think uh, it's, it's painting him as a religious figure, like the Lamb of God. Um, and as I said, in Revelation 16, 19, and 20, he is called the false prophet. So again, this is an imitation of God's handiwork. He's meant to be a representative of the spirit of this satanic authority. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. So he has authority from the, bee, the first beast, from Antichrist. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. Okay, I'm going to stop there. So who made fire come? Well, God made fire. But uh, do you remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal? You know, he prayed to God, send fire. And God sent fire from heaven. And there have been other places we saw, even in the seal judgment, it says fire and hail came out of heaven. So he's, again, it's an imitation of God's, God's power. And again, he was... Uh, He, oh, verse 14. By those signs which he was granted to do. So again, this power is coming from and, and being allowed by God who's in control even at this time. And then telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath, breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Okay? So he is commissions the creation of an image, and the, the Greek word there is icon. Okay, an icon in the Greek religious world was basically a painting of a saint or of a religious figure. It's an image. Uh, now, if you think about what this could be today, um, I think in the Left Behind books of the movies or something, there was a statue that breathed fire. Well, not very impressive. But, if you think of just technology and its capabilities today, it would be very easy today to make a robotic statue or just to make a video image. And I, when I say a video image, I'm not doing just, just you videotape somebody. I'm saying make, create a vid, 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 <laughs> video image 
that could be made to look alive. You know, there's a, there's a robot that they've given a female head to, and, they, and they, they animate her mouth and her eyes and her cheekbones and her ears and her mus a musculature system of her face. I think her name is Sylvia. And, and they claim that she's made to look like a real person. And, and you look at her and you go, well, it's close, but it's not really great. But she talks, and she can have a conversation with you. I mean, literally, there's not somebody behind her talking into a microphone. This is all computer-generated stuff. And if we take that forward some years into the future, I don't consider it implausible at all that we will be able to put a, a video image of a person on the screen who is, through artificial AI intelligence, able to talk and speak and know things, right? Know things. And when I talk about saying know things, I've got to bring this up now because uh, i got to notes a little bit later on, but i got to talk about this now, I think. Because, you know, in China today, they have video cameras everywhere, and they are keeping track of their individual citizens, and they have what they call a social credit score, okay? If you are not towing the party line in China today, you may not be able to rent a house, you may not be able to hold certain jobs. You may not be able to get a loan to buy a car from the banking system. Uh, you may be penalized for speaking your mind. And, you know, they, they are tracking social media. They're using the video cameras, facial recognition. They can identify you in a crowd of 100,000 people. This is real today. And um, so it's very easy to see that they can, could give this image of the beast the power to know exactly. You know, you, he, could, he could scan the crowd and point people out and say, this is what you said. And you're not worshiping the beast. Take him out and kill him. I, I, it could happen. It could happen anytime. So... And I think of the technology that we have created today, it's incredibly easy to see this beast image appearing to be alive. And uh, being able to pronounce a death sentence on those who will not worship the beast. They'll just, they'll just keep track of everything that you do, everything that you're about. There won't be much hiding because there will be cameras everywhere. Social media will track everything you write and say and speak. Everything on your phone will be recorded. And they'll know where we are. And they know exactly where we are. So, not implausible at all. Um, all right. Goes from bad to worse. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, 
and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I'm going to stop there again. So I guess I already talked a little bit about China, but this is being implemented around the world today in many countries. India is currently undertaking a program to give all, what is it, one billion, two billion of, I don't know, there's a lot of people in India, of its people, a 16-digit number that is to access government uh, benefits. But every person is going to have, from birth, is going to have a 16-digit ID number. It's not on, a, on your hand or on your forehead yet. It's on a little card. But India is preparing to ID all of their citizens and keep track of them. And, and you can only have certain benefit, government benefits, if you have this ID card. It's kind of like that, but again, the government says that you can't use your social security number as an ID. Well, baloney. <laughs> well, baloney. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I went to college and I had to use my social security number. Um, how many places ask for your social security number? And if it can't be used as an ID, why are they asking? Why do they care? If it's a government issued only for use by the government, then why are these businesses asking for your social security number? Because it is an ID. Yeah. And we're, so we're not that, you know, we're not as close as India or China, but certainly we have the trappings that are in place that can track us as well. And, oh, I shouldn't get off on this soapbox, but you know, Google is the one that is helping China implement the social credit system. And um, they would love to implement it here as well. It's just things are holding evil back. It, we know what, you know what that's about in, in, in this time period. Um, let's see. Now, yeah, so we talked about China. And I guess the last one, a bunch of big words there, but I work in, a, in the tech industry, right? I mean, uh, our company is a tech company. And so I, I spend time reading tech articles about this and that and the other thing. And, and just today, uh, a magazine article caught my eye. I went looking for some other information on it. Artificial intelligence um, is one of the biggest buzzwords and artificial, artificial intelligence, what does that mean? It means a computer program is able to look at a set of data, make decisions about it, and come out with various results. Okay, and there's all kinds of different implementations of it. It's the thing that watches when you're on Amazon, watches what you order, and then throws up ads in your face that are like that. Well, if you bought this, you might like this too. That's artificial intelligence at work. Um, it's a big deal all over the world. Not only for tech things, but it's what's powering China's social credit system. It's making judgments in the software. Of course, who put those things into the software? Some man did, okay? 
The second, that, I mean, it's a big deal in tech industries around the world, artificial intelligence. And the other one that is absolutely huge, and they go somewhat together, is called cryptocurrency. Now, you may have, uh, may have heard uh, the word Bitcoin, and you go, what in the world is that? And with, with good reason, because it's not easy to understand at all. But again, it's a computer-based system that keeps track of monetary units that have real value, well, in the eye of the world at this point. And um, it's a way of tracking monetary transactions in a completely private manner. At least private from the standpoint of anybody else. So no paper, uh, no central bank system knows about this. It's at least Bitcoin today. It's completely independent of government, of the banking system, and pretty much anything else except a few computers, or, well, not a few, hundreds and thousands of computers around the world that run the Bitcoin software. And it lets people gather wealth in the form of these Bitcoins without, um, uh, without telling anybody where it's coming from. So it's, it's really well loved by drug, drug run users, cartels, because they can get paid in Bitcoin and nobody can track it, including the government. It's good enough that the government cannot break the system. Okay? So it's easy to see that extended to a form where the government controls the cryptocurrency and it's the only thing allowed to be used to buy and sell. All, the, the other piece that goes along with cryptocurrency is a totally um, foolproof personal ID system. Okay, you have to be able to ID anybody who wants to go into this system and have a monetary transaction recorded. So two things, the government will have full control over how money flows through banks, through the system. The drug cartels won't have access to this, so all of a sudden they're kind of cut off because they're gonna have to barter for drugs because the, 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 there'll be no paper money worth anything anymore. Um, and by, ha and, and this mark that we just talked about, essentially will be your um, impenetrable, permanent, fully um, secure personal ID. Now, you can see it coming around the world today. Apple Pay, you know, the phone is your ID, right? You, you put your phone on the cash register and it subtracts it from your bank account. Um, People around the world are starting to give themselves little chips in the, in the skin here of your, of your hand or in their forehead. I don't know why they're doing it. They don't know what they're doing. They're not, they haven't read the Bible. They don't know that this is talked about. And, and the, the little chip works with Apple Pay. So you put your hand on the scanner and it deducts it from. Apple has a store. I love this one. Their premier store, I think it's in New York City. 
You walk in, you pick up boxes that you want to purchase, and you walk out the store. No cash registers, no clerks, no nothing. It just knows what you took out of the store, and it knows who you are, and it deducts the value of those boxes from your banking account. So, we're this close, folks. We're this close to having the mark system. Now, the good news is, it doesn't happen until the middle of the tribulation. What happens at the beginning of the tribulation? Boom, we're out of here. <laughs> That's my belief, and I'm sticking with it. All right, we're at the very last chapter of verse 13. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. This has caused more controversy in Christendom than almost anything else in this whole book. <laughs> uh, and I consider it a mystery still. It's, it's John, John's teasing us. Six is the number of man. It's one short of perfection. Seven is the number of God. Seven is used to indicate perfection, completeness, wholeness, Godheadness. Six is the number of a man. So 666 could be Satan, the Antichrist, and the beast, or the false prophet, representing three people, three men. Um, okay, so to understand a little bit more about this, I'm not going to go into great detail, but it's based on what's called gematria, both in the Hebrew language and in the, or in the Hebrew alphabet and the Greek alphabet. All, the whole alphabet, or part of the alphabet is also given a number value. So you can take any word, name, that you want and compute a number value based on that name in the Hebrew and Greek alphabet. Now, this has been a, a game that's been played through the centuries. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of the first century Christians thought it was Nero because his name added up to 666. If you spell it right and you add the right pronouns on it. <laughs> um, many of the popes were believed to be the Antichrist because if you spelled their names right and added them up right, you got 666. Hitler was, you know, believed to be the Antichrist. Uh, John F. Kennedy, his name, if you did it right, came out as 666. Mussolini, Nixon, and I'm sure there are people today who people will claim that they're the Antichrist. I haven't, I haven't heard Trump being called the Antichrist yet. Have you? Okay. So I'm, here, I'm sure if you spell his name right, you get 666. Well, yeah. well, he's called Hitler a lot, I know. Um, my advice, ignore any news article you see about this. <laughs> Nobody's going to know until the man himself shows up. Uh, but it's and it's stir, it's just stirred up controversy. Um, I'd like to say I know why John put this in here, but I I can't. <laughs> uh, so if anybody has great insight into that, let's talk about it afterwards. Um, 
So we've met the Antichrist. We saw a lot of uh, what he's about back in Daniel. Now we meet him in the middle of the tribulation. Now he's been on the scene since the beginning of the tribulation, probably working a little bit more behind the scenes. You know, he takes over these three nations. Um, one commentary I read said that he, they believed based on some writings in Daniel 12, I think it was, that those three were Egypt and Libya and Ethiopia in the African continent. Could be. Um, but the Antichrist has been, in the, for the first three and a half years, even though he is bringing war to the earth and is partially responsible for some of those um, seal judgments, uh, it's kind of confined to a smaller part of the world. The rest of the world may actually, well, the whole world is being affected by the seals and the trumpets, but more so after the middle of the tribulation. So we met him at the white horse with the first seal. And he's been active throughout this time period. But at the midpoint, and like I said, 12, 13, and 14 are kind of a parentheses in the book of Revelation. It's kind of a, a summary of big global things that are going on. And, and it's introducing us and giving us some perspectives on who these these um, people are who are in charge here at this time frame. So, uh, again, there's a could be a lot of doom and gloom in here, but the thing I like to take out of this was some of the things I talked about earlier. God is still in control. Let it never be any doubt. This book was written so that the Christians in John's time would have hope. Let's not forget that. Um, it's it's talks about these people and these events, and yes, they are great disasters. But as God just as as we've read in this chapter, God is in control. He's in charge. He isn't surprised by all these things going on. He knew they were coming, and he cast events to move them into this direction. So. Just the fact that God knows and he told us about all this beforehand so that we would know should give us hope. So I want you to go out of here tonight with hope. Uh, a lot of this stuff is not going to impact us that we were reading about. But it could impact those that we love and those that are near and dear to us. So we need to tell them about it. We need to make sure that they understand that we are in a pivotal time of history. I believe right before the rapture of the church and the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Some of our family members, our loved ones, could end up going through this time period. And uh, we want to do everything in our power to give them the same great hope that we have that they don't have to do that. Whew, that was one chapter, and I'm being done there. <laughs>